Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. My guest today is certified toddler sleep consultant, Jessica Burke. Jessica helps families all over the world solve their sleep challenges by using a proven method, four-part, she calls REST method, R-E-S-T. So if you're a toddler of a parent, I really hope you're tuning in, or you know someone who's a toddler of a parent, please don't forget to share. Jessica herself is a mom, and she's very passionate about helping parents use these tools to get their big kids to sleep. Because, you know, so often we talk about our little babies and what we need to do to get them on a good sleep schedule. Well, then all of a sudden they get older and little is really talked about in regards to how we can help. And I know in my practice, this is probably one of the most common causes conversations, either toddler sleep or teenage sleep. And someday I'm going to write a book called Toddlers and Teenagers because I feel like they're so close in, in how they do things. Jessica also is a best-selling, has a best-selling digital course called Sleep Tight Without a Fight. And she really wants to help families get their kids to bed peacefully and have good night's sleep with no wake-ups. And so she followed her passion and after, you know, helping all the families and she's even moved around the United States, her family now lives in Connecticut. And in addition to being a certified sleep consultant, she also has a Bachelor of Science degree in psychology from the University of Georgia. So welcome, Jessica, for joining me today. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate it. That was a lovely, very thorough introduction. <laughs> well, so thank you so much. I researched it from your website. So I, I appreciate um, that. Really, you're very transparent and in your website, which I want to share with everybody, but we'll definitely go over it again. But her website is called awesomelittlesleepers.com. And um, it's a it's a great website. As a pediatrician, I was navigating. It's very easy. And you also have a podcast as well as the digital course, and I want to hear all about it. So I'd love to just hear a little more about your journey into becoming this sleep consultant, and then let's get into what we can do to help parents get their toddler to have a good night's rest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, my, my journey to this, you know, to this career, to this business that I've built was, was very natural and it was all really based on my own personal needs. So I had, um, my second daughter slept great when she was in the crib. And then around three years old, I just thought, okay, you know, we should probably move her to a bed now. So we did. And that was not <laughs> the right move for, for her at the time. She just, turned into a crazy person at night. I mean, we used to have a you know nice, cozy bedtime routine and I'd lay her in her crib. All of a sudden, yeah, no, she wouldn't sit down. She's running all over the room. She's stalling. She wouldn't stay put. She kept running out and asking me for things. And then after a while, 
you know, I, it would be the middle of the night and then I'd get the, you know, little tiny voice in my face, mommy, mommy, you know, and then she's waking up in the middle of the night. She's trying to sleep in our bed, which she had never done before. And I was like, what is happening right now? (laughs) Because like, you know, like you said in the intro, I mean, when you have, when you have a new baby, people prepare you to, you know, to not sleep well, you're expecting sleepless nights. It's part of like, you know, what, what you, what you're expecting for yourself. But once your kid is older, no one really talks about all the, you know, all the sleep disruptions that can come up when your child is all of a sudden in a big kid bed and they're free. And it's this, I always say it's like this perfect intersection of this little human who's just learning how to kind of push boundaries and assert their independence. And then all of a sudden they're free. They're no longer confined at night. And so it's kind of like the perfect storm where all these things happen. And, and so back, this was eight years ago when she was three, um, and there was really no help out there. Right. And so I, I took the kind of drastic step of getting certified as a sleep consultant because I was really just looking for solutions for myself because I'd always been such a strong believer in good sleep habits for kids because I know how important sleep is for our health and development. And so I knew that this wasn't going to work. And, you know, not only for her, but like for me too. I mean, let's be honest, like when I'm not sleeping, like no one wants to be around me. Like I'm not a good parent. I'm not a good wife. Like, I'm just not the best version of myself, you know? So I knew that we had to fix this. So I got certified. I came up with a solution that really helped my own daughter. And then I knew it could help other families too. So it's been kind of a long journey of, um, of kind of, I worked one-on-one with families for six, seven years to really kind of understand what was going on in everybody's home. So when I say that I've heard it all, I have <laughs> literally heard it all. <laughs> and so um, about uh, about two years ago is when I launched my digital course, Sleep Tight Without a Fight, really built on the backbone of all of that knowledge of working one-on-one with families for so long. Yes, because so, yeah, can... so now I focus only on only on older kids um, who are in a big kid bed and, and dealing with those struggles. Well, I wish you were around when my son, my oldest son, was a toddler because he was the same way. Actually, slept so well in his crib. You know, by two months he was sleeping through the night, and I was like, "Oh, this is amazing!" You know, and yeah. <laughs> actually, we didn't decide to transition him into the big bed, he started to learn how to get out of it and would consistently do it. So, you know, this was actually around 18 months. But what was funny is that all of a sudden that bedtime routine just, it it did, it kind of came crashing down. And I I think I shared with you this story, but I want to tell our listeners that, you know, he was so good at coming up with reasons to get, come out of the bedroom. You know, and so he. Oh yeah, very creative these kids. (laughs) Yeah, so one time he came out and he's like, "I didn't have my snack," and I said, "Well, yeah, you, honey, you you had your snack, you know." And he goes, "No, that's my snack. Uh, like he called it a snack. Uh, and we just cracked up. So, what do you do to kind of help parents get started? Like, where where do you start with all of this? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. So, you know, I really feel like it all comes back to bedtime. This is usually where things start to go wrong is in the evening when, you know, everybody is kind of 
already tired. Parents have had a long day. Kids have had a long day. We're all kind of impatient. And then parents just want kids to go through the things that we've got to do. Brush your teeth, take a bath. Like, let's read our books. Let's get in bed. So parents trying to hurry kids along, but kind of like knowing that things are going to go off course at some point. So there's like a feeling of dread, I think, that a lot of parents right. bring to the evening. Both for both um, the parent and the child, I would imagine, too. Yeah, 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 definitely. So I think it really all comes comes back to bedtime. So I really like to help parents understand what I say is how to have a nice, lovely evening without turning into mean mommy or mean daddy. <laughs> and, you know, as parents, we've all, we've all been mean mommy or mean daddy before. And it's a crappy way to end the day. Yeah. You know, you don't like that. You don't like your kids stalling and then you're trying to be patient and you're trying your best. And then you just snap, you lose your temper, you raise your voice. Maybe your kid's crying, you know, it just, it feels horrible. It's a bad way to end the day. So I really like to start with bedtime and help parents create a nice calm atmosphere to start the sleep process. And that makes sense too, because I would imagine that it could go the other way. And that is where you start to create habits that, you know, like laying down with your kid and things like that, that you start to create habits mostly for peace. So it's like you could end up the night could end up with crying and fighting or whatever, or it could end up that you're starting to incorporate habits that realistically aren't benefiting anybody, you know, by, by doing something that, again, you, you feel like it's going to come faster. Like I just need to do whatever I can to get them to fall asleep, but that's, that's not really the key here. Yeah. And that's how a lot of, you know, complaints that, you know, eventually I hear from families that, you know, oh, I'm stuck in my kid's room. I'm, I've got to sit in there till they fall asleep or I've got to lay in there and then I fall asleep. Um, and so all of these, all these things are exactly like you said, they're habits and they're habits that start from well-meaning parents, right? Absolutely. You know, parents are like, we just need things to calm down. Like this kid needs to get to bed. So I'm literally going to do whatever I have to do to shut it down tonight. So in the moment, what's my path of least resistance? And then that's where you kind of start these habits. And then very quickly with kids, I mean, kids are, kids are smart. I mean, I like to say that by the time they're like five months old, they pretty much, they've got our number, right? Mm-hmm. They, they kind of understand how we work and kids are smart. And so once you start in a habit of laying with your kid while they're falling asleep or sitting in their room, it can quickly become their, the child's new expectation. And like, you're not getting out of that easy. No. So um, it's really best to try to avoid starting those habits if you don't want to be stuck in them. Because inevitably, what happens nine times out of 10 is if your child needs you to lay in there at bedtime with them, and then you sneak out to try to go have your evening after they fall asleep, nine times out of 10, you're going to see that kid again in the right. middle of the night. Right. Because what you're doing, and you don't mean to, because again, it's well-meaning, but you're actually like stripping away your child's ability to fall asleep on their own. Right. You're making yourself like an integral part of their sleep. And that's that's not what you want to do. That's not benefiting, like you said, anybody in the long run. I remember... Gabe one time too, you know, we were really trying to get away from laying with him and, uh, and he would sneak in 
he was like stealthy. He would sleep, sneak in and lay in bed and we wouldn't even know right away that he was there, you know? Oh yeah. Finally, I said to him, you know, come and come and get me if you really need to. I'll walk you back to bed, but I'm not going to lay with you. And uh, and it was so funny because the first night, I, of course, I woke up and it, all I wanted to do was just pick him up and put him into bed because I was so tired because right. his little right. face is staring at me, you know. And he looked at me and he pointed to his dad and he goes, why does he get to sleep with you? Mm. <laughs> <And I> was, <laughs> you know. For a three-year-old, yeah. I thought that was, you know, pretty funny. But uh, it is. Yeah. They they are very smart. And so so what I hear you saying is bedtime is really the key. So what are the steps to a peaceful bedtime? Yeah, yeah. So there's a few tips that I like to give parents. So the, the situation that I described, I'm sure everybody's very familiar with, where your child is like, you know, stalling, you know, or negotiating every step of the bedtime routine. Like once dinner's over, it's like, you know, some kids are like the slow pokes, right? That like won't get anything done. Or some kids, you get them in the bath and they won't get out of the bath. I mean, everybody kind of has those like trigger points in the evening. So the first thing I like to do is recognize who we're dealing with here. So like we said, our kids, like at this age, we're talking about two and a half, three, four, five-year-olds. They are really trying to assert independent, assert their independence in a world where they really don't have a lot of control. Right. Right. I mean, our kids are told what to wear, where to go, when, when to eat. I mean, they don't have a lot of control, but really that's like all they want. <laughs> that's, that's developmentally totally appropriate for them. So I like to tell families, like, let's acknowledge that. And instead of fostering like a you versus them scenario at bedtime, Mm -hmm. which is what it is most times, it feels like a battle. It's you versus them. Instead, let's try to get y'all on the same team, right? Let's acknowledge like our kiddo just wants to have some control. That's what all this stalling is about. That's what all this boundary pushing is about. So let's get ahead of it. So I tell families outside of bedtime, have a little meeting with your kids, sit down and talk about what a nice bedtime routine would be for them. Because the other thing is a lot of times parents set up some type of bedtime routine when their kids are younger, like when they're, you know, two years old or whatever, and they'll kind of define what a bedtime routine is. And then they are trying to stick to that same thing as their kid is three, four, five years old. But hey, your bigger kid has opinions, right? So let's give them a chance to say, hey, what kind of stuff do you like to do before bed? Like, what are some fun, cozy things that you like to do? Like, let's set up your perfect bedtime routine, kid. Yeah. And so you'll talk about this not in the moment, but just during the light of day when it's not bedtime. Give your kids some choices. Have them add some things to the bedtime routine or even just order things like, Hey, what do you want to do first? Do you want to put your PJs on first or brush your teeth? Even giving them some control over which steps they're doing when can be helpful, you know? And, you know, do you want to read two books or three books? Do you want to sing one song or two songs? Do you want to spend time, you know, having some chit chat about your day? Do you want to tell a silly story? Like, whatever the items are. And you're, you're aiming for, I mean, really the bedtime routine shouldn't last more than 15 minutes. It doesn't have to. I mean, if you want it to, it can, 
But really, I tell parents, aim for about 15 minutes of, you know, cozy, nice activities that you're doing. And this is not including a bath. Right. So that's the kind of a separate piece. Getting your PJs is, on and stuff. Yeah. This is just kind of what you're doing in their room. So give your kids some control over that and put it on a little chart. Draw it out step by step, like a little icon for each step. Let your kid decorate the chart. Really like give them ownership because the more control that you can give them, the more in charge you can kind of make them feel, the easier things are going to go. And what I hear you saying is you kind of want to make those decisions not during bedtime, or maybe you come up with some couple things that you can incorporate, but then do you give them the decision at bedtime, what order to do it in, or is that still decided in the light of day? I say decide that in the light of day. Okay. So during the time of when you're actually in the moment doing the bedtime routine, the parent's only job, like you take a little chart you made, tape it up on the wall, and then the parent's only job is to let the kid boss them around. Okay. <laughs> okay. So like, like, and I love to tell parents, play dumb. Say, what do we do now? What happens next? Let the kid run over to the chart and say like, oh, okay. Now is when you read me a book. Like now is when we sit down and read books in the chair. Let the kid really kind of be the boss and run the show. And the parent's only job besides playing dumb is to like really praise the child for anything good that they're doing. Yes. Try to ignore the bad stuff. Let's not focus on that. Let's just focus on how good they're doing at whatever it is. Look at you brushing your teeth. Great job. You know, look at how quick you got on your PJs. Oh, look how you just jumped into my lap to start reading books. Just praising them moving through the routine and moving through those steps that they've defined goes a really long way to help, you know, your child feel proud and accomplished and also move things along. And I, because I would say that toddlers, they really, they do want to please you. They're just trying to figure it out just like you are. They're, you know, developmentally, you know, just, they don't know. We're, we're trying to figure it out. They're navigating. So I, I love that about praising them because they're likely to continue to do those things that, that we want them to do if, if they're being praised because they do. Like I said, they want to please you. In your experience, did you, oh, I'm sorry. Did you ever have like any parents that said, my kid refuses to do the bedtime, even the routine and what? um, Yep. Yep. I do hear that. that. Yeah, I do hear that. And that, that can definitely be tough to navigate, but kind of going back to what you just said, I think the one thing that we really have to remind ourselves as parents, because it doesn't always present itself this way in in real life. But the truth is our attention is like gold to our children. Yes. Like it is so important to them. And oftentimes what happens, especially during the bedtime routine, is that accidentally we are giving so much attention to the bad behaviors. I see. Yes. And there's two types of attention. There's positive attention, which is like praise, high fives, you know, loving attention, but there's negative attention too, which is yelling, being frustrated, but all of that is attention. And so if you think about like a lot of times, like during the day, how we engage with our kids, you know, we might be multitasking. We'd be looking at our phone while we're kind of barking at an order or like kind of half watching what they're doing while cooking dinner. So at bedtime, if your kid starts acting up, 
And then all of a sudden, all of your laser focused attention is on your child's misbehaving. Mm -hmm. That's actually going to keep the misbehaving going. Because they're getting the attention, even though it's negative. Even though it's negative, even though it's negative. And so that's, that's why in the situation where if kids are really like refusing to start the bedtime routine, that's an even better reason to do this exercise I described because it's like, and just be honest with your kid. Hey, like this isn't fun for anybody at night. We're always fighting. I don't like, it doesn't feel good to me to be yelling at you. I don't like to see you upset, but we do have to get to bed. So let's talk about what would be awesome to do at night. If you just kind of pour your attention into having that conversation and letting your child be heard, you'll be surprised at how much more smoothly bedtime can get started. Yeah, they'll have more buy-in to it, you know, I would imagine. Totally. And I love how you mentioned about, you know, really paying attention and positively, obviously, but attention in general, because, you know, you don't really want to be multitasking. And I love, too, that you reminded parents that bedtime routine does not have to be, you know, you know, an hour or more long. I mean, even if 15 minutes, so you can put that phone away. You cannot worry about the dishes right now or folding the laundry or I, we all have so much to do. And so just tell yourself, I'm going to be super intentional and role model and, and, you know, really pay attention to them during that time period so that it does like, that sounds like a great way to make sure it goes smoothly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just want to reiterate something that you said a minute ago, too, which is that, you know, kids are always pushing the boundaries. And that's their job. I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. They don't know what's going on. They're children, you know, they're little, they're three, four, five years old. So they're pushing the boundaries to like, see what happens if they do this. What happens if I do that? What happens if I say that to mom? What happens if I say the same thing to dad? You know, I mean, that's, that's just natural. And kids are just kind of learning how things work, how your family works. And they understand that. And so that's what parents are there for is to hold those boundaries. You know, and I like to use an analogy of like, if you take kids to the bowling alley, you always get the bumpers, you know, so that their ball doesn't fall in the gutter every time. So the ball can go from side to side, but it's going to go down the path to the pins. That's what boundaries are. Boundaries are there. I mean, there's some kids can have some freedom and choice in the matter, but ultimately the boundaries are there because we got to get you down to the pins, which is get you in bed before eight o'clock. Like that's That's the goal. And that's the goal because we're parents and we know that sleep is a health concern. You know, it's not just, Oh, a nice to have, Oh, it would be so great if my kid would get, you know, 11 hours of sleep a night. No, that's what they should be doing. That's like what, that's a health, a health issue. So that's what our job is, is to have those boundaries. So we get our kid down to the pins and into bed. That's a great analogy. And I also love, you know, I think we forget about the importance of sleep, not, not just for our children, but also for ourselves. And these things are, these are helpful tips because you're going to end up with a better night's sleep too, which is so important. As you said, if, you know, I always say like, you got to really focus on here so that you can be better at taking care of those little ones. But I also want to mention that, um, you know, we would, I, I heard this once, we would never deprive our children of food 
And sleep is just as important. So it's okay to, you know, take time and navigate through what what's working, what isn't. And like you said, kind of let that bowling ball bounce back and, you know, to figure out what lane, you know, you're going to, you're going to go into. What do you tell? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, it's interesting. I, I, t- I, I kind of reference like food in, in the same way, because sometimes people will say, you know, we don't like to be home early for bedtime. You know, we like to be out or social. We like to do things and, and that's great. But, you know, like you said, food is a requirement. So, so would you, would you leave your house with your child right before lunchtime with no plan of them eating? No. And just like hope that they'll deal with it. No. I mean, so you need to prioritize sleep in the same way that you would prioritize eating. Yes. Because they're both really part of the basic human needs. Correct. I mean, you know, shelter, food, sleep, water. Right. <laughs> this is the baseline. This is the baseline for all of us. And, and yes, for our kids. And then of course, like you said, for, um, for our, ourselves too. I mean, sleep deprivation is a, is a real thing. I think it's like outlawed as a form of torture because it's that horrible. <laughs> like, I know you can't even use it to torture enemies of our country. So. I know my, my sister always said we should be born old so that by the time we are four, four years old, we, somebody bathes us, you know, we get to put our jammies on and they put us to bed. She's like, we right. should be, we should go backwards because I, you know, I, I love to, get ready and go to bed and get a good night's yeah. sleep. So let's yeah. say, okay, you do the bedtime routine and now they're in their room. What do you say to the family where the child keeps coming out? And and yeah. how, do you, how do you manage that? Yeah. Okay. So we call those, we call those curtain calls <laughs> and that's where the child, yeah, keeps coming out to ask for a million things. So what I like to do in that situation is, Recognize what your kid is always coming out and asking for. A lot of times it's water. A lot of times it's a potty break, stuff like that. So I like to tell families to take all of those things that your kid stalls with or seems to need, bake those into the routine, bake them into the bedtime routine so that they're planned for instead of extras. Because what happens a lot of times is our kids know, because again, they're super smart. They know what's going to get our attention, right? If your kid's coming out and saying, I'm thirsty, well, you're kind of like, well, I mean, they might be thirsty. Like I should probably give them some water, you know, or I have to go potty. And it's like, okay, well, they may have to go potty, you know, or they may be hungry or whatever they're saying, you know, it could be a real need. And so you as a parent feel like, well, I can't deprive them of water. That doesn't feel right. So instead you bake those things into the routine, So you can, you know, as your child's kind of planning their routine, you can say, oh, well, you know, you always come out and ask for a sip of water. So why don't we have our last sip of water right before lights out? You know, you always want to go potty one more time. So let's make sure we have a good chance to sit on the potty. Do you want to do that before we brush teeth or after, you know, bake all those things in because that will relieve some of the parental guilt <laughs> that, cause it's really becomes, I think more about parental guilt when the child's coming out, the parents like, well, maybe they do need water. So if you take care of all of those things during the bedtime routine, that can really help you hold your boundaries a little bit more and say, no time for bed, because yes. it all comes back to the attention that 
it gets from us. That's true. I would also include like hugs and kisses, you know, because they can yep. come out for one more hug or one more kiss. Yeah. And that uh, that's yep. what I would always feel guilty about. It's like, oh, they want another hug. So, but yeah. Right. Well, and so I do, I, I also teach families when it comes to the bedtime routine, I like to tell families that at the end of all of the steps that are on the list that you've planned for, you should have something called the grand finale. Okay. And that's something that you or you and your child can work on together. And um, some people already kind of naturally have a thing like this too, but it's, it's the last step in the process. It's, you know, maybe it's the world's biggest hug or sometimes it's like a 10 kiss countdown where like, you know, you kiss your child over their face and they count to 10 and then they kiss you 10 times or whatever it is. And then after that, it's done. That's lights out. That's your last snuggle. Um, or even, even, even doing some kids who really like to lay with parents have that lay down snuggle time, do that, but use a timer okay. to help like keep it under control. Like, and if you, if you end up using a timer for some things that your kid stalls with, like, don't leave yet, don't leave yet. Then set a timer, have your kids set the timer on your phone or like on a watch, have, you know, set it to one minute or two minutes and have them press start. So they are taking ownership over the timer and they understand that after that, it's time for mommy to leave or daddy to leave and time for you to go to bed. That's a great idea. That really is. And and then, you know, same with like, number. I want one more book. You know, you can kind of set mm-hmm. how many books are we going to read, you know, within reason? Or do you want to read two books today or three books today or two or one? You know, I love that. Giving them the choice, they feel, like you said, to have some control over that. Yeah. And let's say that you plan for, as you're planning your bedtime routine, you plan that you're going to read two books, right? So now it's time for the bedtime routine and your kid's like, well, just read three, just read one more book, one more page, one more, you know, one more page. That's what my kids used to always say, just one more page. So let's say your kid's asking for another book, which, you know, and they might ask for things and that's okay. They can ask for things, but you can say no. So you could say, you know, nobody, we remember we planned for two books. That's on our plan. That's on our sheet. It's right here, but Hey, let's take this book. We'll put that in the pile for tomorrow. Awesome. So let them feel heard, acknowledge. If you can offer a compromise, like we'll read this tomorrow, but hold your boundary. Remember that your boundary is there to keep bedtime efficient because you got to get them to bed. Right. Right. And then what happens? Okay. So they, maybe they stay in their room. They're not, I love the cur- the curtain calls. That, that is, curtain calls. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I'm definitely going to use that when I'm <laughs> speaking with parents in my office. Okay, so curtain calls are over. They're, they're laying down, but they, ha- they are not falling asleep. So what do you tell families at that point? I would just say, give them time, you know, and yep. they will fall, they will eventually fall asleep. And you know, I also do a little bit about, you know, kind of investigating well, exactly what are you doing before? What are their mm-hmm. snacks? You know, blah, blah, blah. But yep. I'm, I'm curious in, in what you like to say to families, because sometimes they even feel guilty that their kid is in there awake. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, so, um, well, first I would say, don't feel guilty about your child being in there awake. It's not a bad thing. I no. mean, you know, how much do you love to spend 10 minutes just in your, you know, your own room and yeah. silence? Like that's lovely. It's a lovely time to just 
relax and de-stress. And some people fall asleep more quickly than others. But I would say that generally for kids, they should be falling asleep within five to 20 minutes of lights out. Okay. So if they're not falling asleep within five to 20 minutes of lights out, then what has likely happened is bedtime, your lights out time is too late. Ah. And this is very common because what happens is as the evening gets later, if you miss that perfect bedtime, then kids are going to get a cortisol spike, which is like giving them like a second wind. Yes. And once that cortisol spike hits, it's very difficult to fall asleep until it subsides. And that could take up to an hour. So if you're seeing your kid just laying in there, like following the rules, like not coming out, but just rolling around in there for a long time, I would say move bedtime 15 minutes earlier and see if that helps. And and that makes perfect sense because, so I've been doing this for a very long time. And I would say, you know, previously I would, I would say, well, maybe we need to move it back until I also learned what you just explained. But I would say most people don't really understand that concept that they're overtired now and yep. finding that like sleep window. And I, I talk about sleep pressure when it comes to teenagers because I tell them, you know, it, for teenagers, it takes about 16 or so hours for them to feel tired from when they woke up. So, not just talking about when they go to sleep, but really talking about also when they wake up. And we talk about that sleep pressure and you get past that or, you know, you're trying to go to sleep. It's just you want to find that sweet spot, so to speak, in between. Yeah. And finding that sweet spot is so important when your body is like primed and ready for sleep. Yes. And, and you'll know when you have that, because that is when bedtime is easier. You're getting less resistance because your child is sleepy, but not overtired yet. And then once you do finally leave, they can fall asleep peacefully in that five to 20 minute window. And the other thing too, let's take a moment and talk about the sleep environment or what people call even sleep hygiene, because Mm -hmm. we know, you know, electronics are here. Kids love their tablets, even at that age, you know, and so um, what advice do you give to families in regards to when and how to put those electronics away and what kind of environment their child should be, you know, and I realize every child's different, every family's different, you know, but what kind of environment is going to offer the most likely peaceful and easy sleep schedule? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Every family is different and every child is different. Like you said, I think a good general rule, because we know that blue light exposure from devices, phones, iPads, TVs can suppress melatonin production, which is not what we want in the evening for our kids. So general rule of thumb would be turn off screens an hour before bedtime. Yes. That's a good general rule. Although I will say, I mean, really every kid is different. My kids have always been able to watch a show and then just go to, go to bed. But then again, they have a sleep coach for a mother. So maybe there's other things that are going on there. Yes. But you know, so it does depend on, on every kid. Um, but that's kind of a good general rule. And then inside the bedroom, um, sleeping in a dark room is really important. So you want the room to be dark and cool. I think they say like 67 degrees is okay. the optimal temperature for sleep, which is 
a little, I think a little cool for maybe most people. I think we keep our house at like 69. Um, although my youngest daughter has a ceiling fan and a tornado fan. So her room is like the Arctic. So, oh my gosh. um, so some but kids could be a little her. different, but yeah, she loves it. Yeah. Um, and so a cool dark room. And then I always recommend that people have a white noise machine. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a great kind of backdrop for sleep. And um, the white noise should be true white noise. It should sound like a static radio station, okay. so not music or anything. And it should it should stay on from bedtime all the way to the morning. It doesn't need to click off or anything. And that's good because it can drown out, you know, household noise and creaks and other kids or people walking around. It's just a good backdrop for sleep. Yes. Um, some kids like a nightlight and that's perfectly fine. Um, I would just make sure that it's nice and dim. You don't want it to be too bright. Okay. And the best color for a nightlight is like in the red orange spectrum. Okay. So, um, like a salt lamp is a really, um, is a really nice nightlight and they come, the, uh, most of them are dimmable. So you can turn on the dimmest setting. It's a nice kind of orange glow. That's good to know that I, I never knew about the colors that, um, but that makes sense because, and you brought up melatonin, which is so um, important because of the fact that, you know, it, it's not that I'm against giving melatonin, um, you know, over the counter if, if for, for certain situations, I try really hard not to use it in toddlers, for example. And, you know, again, we want to do something that is the most natural way for their body to be able to produce it on its own. Right. And so the, the putting the electronics away and, and, and you're right. Every child's different. One, one child maybe having that tablet for a little bit or being able to watch a show can be settling to them. Others, it's, it's, it just keeps them awake. So you just have to kind of try an error. And if, you know, at, Minimum, I always say minimum 30 minutes, but an hour is really the ideal for, for most kids. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So now they're asleep and, um, they wake up and, you know, help us navigate through, through that. As I told you, you know, Gabe came in and just did not quite understand why he wasn't allowed in my bed. And, uh, you know, I think, again, that that's a discussion, I'm sure, that I, when he asked about dad, I, we didn't have it in the light, in the dark, you know, but I imagine that's a discussion, too, in the light of day, exactly what are you going to do if you wake up? Yep, yep, absolutely. So, and I get this question a lot. I get parents who say, you know, my kid keeps coming into my room. How do I get him to stop? Or how do I get my kid back to bed in the middle of the night without all the tantrums and the tears? And, you know, those, those are reasonable questions. Those are questions a lot of families have. But I would say that is the wrong question to be asking. It's an incomplete question, I guess I should say. Okay, okay. Because that's not the full story. That's right. only half the story. And this is, this is very often how parents report on sleep issues. They report what their child's behavior is. My child is waking up and coming into my room. How do I get it to stop? My child, you know, how do I get them to back to bed without crying? Well, we got to look at how the, what the role the parent is playing, right? Okay. So we talked about how important parental attention is. So we've got to look at the reaction that we as parents are giving to our child's behavior. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if he wakes up and let's say your son wakes up in the middle of the night and sometimes you're exhausted. So you pull him into bed with you. 
sometimes you're, you know, a little bit more alert and you decide to take him back to his room. Sometimes dad wakes up with him and then dad takes him back to his room and just lays in his bed with him. So your child is getting a really, really inconsistent response to their wake ups. So it's almost like a person playing a slot machine. It's, it's why <laughs> people get addicted to playing a slot machine. It's, it's, it's this inconsistent response, right? So every time you put a quarter in, you pull, what are you going to get? Are you going to win? You keep putting your quarters in because you know what? Sometimes mom just pulls me into her bed. Right. Is that going to be tonight? Is that going to be tonight? <laughs> Is that going to be this wake up? So you've really got to look at how you as a parent are responding to your child's behavior because, you know, ultimately you can't control your child. Yes. You can't control anybody. You can't make them not wake up. Right. Right. You right. can't make them not cry. Yeah. It's impossible. These are impossible things. All you can do is control yourself. And really that's at the heart of why the behavior is happening anyway. So with overnight wake-ups, I tell families, you know, definitely look at if there's anything that's happening when your child is waking up that your child could perceive as a reward or benefit, like co-sleeping or bed sharing. Um, but then also, I would encourage families to look at how the child is falling asleep in the first place. Right. So like we mentioned earlier, at bedtime, if your child is used to you laying in bed with him while he's falling asleep, it's very likely that when he stirs around in the middle of the night, he's going to come find you again because now you've spent so long sleeping with him at bedtime. He doesn't know how to get back to sleep without you. Right. So you've just, you've helped reinstate that habit that he needs you in order to go to sleep. So it's, it's those two things with the middle of the night. It's how is he falling asleep initially at bedtime? Cause we really want kids to fall asleep totally alone without the parent so that they don't wake up in the first place. I do like to tell parents that, you know, we all wake up in the middle of the night. And mm -hmm. so that is normal for your child, too, to do the same thing. You probably do. You wake up, you kind of roll over. And and you're right. It's like, you know, I, I try to use the analogy of you ever fallen asleep somewhere and then like you forget where you are. And, and then it's hard to go back to sleep or, or et cetera. You know, if you yeah. fall asleep on the couch, you're like, you know, and that's another thing, keeping the consistent place that you sleep as best you can based on, you know, any barriers, of course, but um, can, can make a big yeah. difference too. Yeah. And this is the analogy that I use with sleep. So, you know, everybody moves through stages of sleep, you know, deep sleep and light sleep multiple times a night. And so light sleep is, is that's where we roll around, pull our covers up, but we're not like aware of that. Right. But let's say that you fell asleep in your bed and then all of a sudden you realize that your pillow isn't under your head anymore. You wake up because you're like, where'd my pillow go? Oh my God, my pillow fell on the floor. When did that happen? I don't even remember having a crazy dream. Now you got to, now you're awake. Now you got to pick your pillow up and you got to put it back under your head. So nothing really woke you up. It was just the idea and the feeling that something which is different. integral to your sleep was different, was missing. Yeah. That's exactly what is happening with your kid. If you're falling asleep in there with them and then like, you know, army crawling out of the room once they're asleep, it's the same phenomenon. In the middle of the night, inevitably, inevitably, if it hasn't happened yet, just 
just give it a little while because inevitably <laughs> it's going to happen. It's just how habits work, right? The longer they go on, the stronger they get. Inevitably, your child's going to start waking up in the middle of the night in that lighter stage of sleep to realize that you're missing and has to come find you. Well, I I really appreciate you taking the time today. I mean, such great advice. I know I'm, I mean, even though I don't have toddlers in my home anymore, these are wonderful pearls of wisdom that I plan to use to help my families. I want to make sure, you know, because I know you've, you have, you know, the different ways to help your toddler fall asleep. Is there anything else that maybe we haven't discussed that you want to add to um, to help parents and children get, you know, have that peaceful time, which should really be a time of connection and joy and, you know, to end the day. I, I, I totally resonate with what you said that I remember there were times where I just, you know, it just didn't go well. And then they fall asleep and they look like little angels. And you're like, I, I would be like, I'm a terrible parent, you know, but um, learning to have that peaceful time. I mean, it, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, It, but just as long as you keep putting in, you know, doing all of these steps, but any other steps that we've forgotten to mention? I think the only thing that's coming to mind is don't be afraid to use some rewards to help jumpstart new behaviors, new okay. good sleep behaviors. Yeah. So for example, with like the bedtime routine, you know, if you're going to introduce a new bedtime routine, like I talked about here today and have your child help you um, to really lay out, you know, a routine, if they're doing a great job going, going through it as you're praising them and, and praising them, it's okay to surprise them in the morning with a little something to say, Hey, you did a great job at bedtime last night. Yes. And I'm not saying you have to do this forever for the rest of your life. And I'm not telling you it doesn't have to be a Barbie dream house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you give a kid a mini marshmallow. I mean, their whole life is like joy, it's right? Amazing. I mean, yeah. So it's okay to use, it doesn't have to be food. It could be anything. Like we're going to go even to the park praise. today. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go to the park or even, Hey, call grandma and tell her how good you did last night. Yes. Let them brag on themselves. Yes. So don't be afraid to offer some rewards and, and really talk about it and beef up their confidence. Because oftentimes we, you know, we tell kids like, stay in your bed all night. And then, you know, you'll, you will get, we'll give you a reward. And when it doesn't happen, parents are like, you didn't do it. Well, that's not encouraging to anybody. How are right. you going to feel if someone treats you like that? Like give them little goals, reward them, build up their confidence. Absolutely. And, and you can, you know, like that. It's like, well, you didn't get it or whatever. I think too, is just say tonight's going to be better. You know, we're going to yeah. have a better night tonight and, and trying to realize, you know, that, some nights are still, you might still get some bumps, you know, but yeah. for the most part. We'll try again tonight. Yep. I love it. Well, thank you so much for spending this time. It's been a pleasure. I love your metaphors. Uh, I think my favorite is definitely the curtain call. That's a bad <laughs> Good. That um, wasn't mine. I've read that somewhere. I can't take credit for that. I can't take credit for that. <laughs> well, I was, I'm glad you shared it with all of us. Yeah. And I will also have how people can get a hold of you and the name of your podcast, etc. But if you wouldn't mind just sharing, you know, I, I'd mentioned the website www.awesomelittlesleepers.com. They can also follow you at Awesome Little Sleepers on Instagram and um let us know what social media platforms that you're on and, and the name of your podcast. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, I think Instagram is the best place to find me. And like you mentioned, at Awesome Little Sleepers. Um, I also have a YouTube channel of the same name. Um, yeah. And my podcast is called How to Get Your Toddler to Sleep in a Big Kid Bed. Awesome. Very straightforward name. <laughs> I love it. That's what it's all about. And and the goal there is most, most of those episodes are like 10 minutes or less, like super actionable for busy, tired parents. Love it. Um, and I also just wanted to share that I have a free um, toddler sleep masterclass. Okay. If um, families would like to um, join my next class that I'm offering, they can go to toddlersleepmasterclass.com. That is their spot. wonderful because I will tell you, again, I am a huge, I'm not, you know, a certified sleep con- consultant, but as a pediatric healthcare provider, I'm a huge proponent of sleep for the whole family. And it is so important. I just can't stress enough how much better everyone's going to feel, behave, and just one step, one night at a time, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Jessica. And uh, I'd love to have you back on the show sometime to share some more wonderful ways um, to get your toddler to sleep. And I really want to encourage everybody to reach out to her. Check out her website, the podcast. Um, Absolutely, I would encourage everyone to join the masterclass. And uh, because we went through a lot of great ideas, but as we mentioned, every child's different every situation. And I know she definitely wants to help and has helped many so far. So thank you again. And let's grow up together. Thanks for listening to another episode of Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. If you enjoyed this episode and think the information shared here today could benefit someone else, take a screenshot of the episode and post to your Instagram story. Make sure you tag us at Growing Up With Dr. Sarah so we can spread the word about the show and continue to grow in our mission to support as many parents and families as possible. Hey, if you're interested in being a guest on the show or would like to suggest a topic, please visit www.growingupwithdrsarah.com slash contact. Thanks again for spending time with us today. Stay tuned for a brand new episode next week as we continue to grow up together.